what is the rocket fuel we pour into the culture to help it launch into a new orbit? How is it that we motivate, actualize, realize this whole new culture? It's a slow process. Rockets that went into other orbits, that went to the moon, that's a slow process. How did people put up with the long process? They had to believe it could happen, and they had to work and work and be incredibly persistent even when failure after failure had suggested it was time to stop. When people see in the vision that it's worth pursuing, they will come up with astonishing levels of energy and commitment. But if the leader doesn't motivate staff with meaningful purpose, the organization goes nowhere. So it's the rocket fuel. It's the learning that we're going to talk about today on Rocket Science for Leaders. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff. So many of the most effective answers in radical loving care in our loving leadership process come from a very simple rule. It's hard to apply, but it's simple. It's actually the way we think about a pair of rules. The first one is the golden rule. You know that one. Boy, do we know that one. That's been around for thousands of years. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. There's a little bit of a catch in that that I've found to be a challenge for a lot of people. I've asked people, are they following the golden rule? And they will say to me, yeah, I, I treated this employee the way I want to be treated. It didn't work. Well, that's because they didn't notice that the employee is different from the way they are. A different approach, a different way of learning, a different mindset. So we developed the silver rule, which is not what I would want for myself, but what does that individual need? What does that individual need from me? This kind of comes out of a, a story also. This is a story shared with me by the Reverend Bob Davis. He told me he was sitting with a patient in a room and the patient was experiencing an excruciating migraine headache. Now, you may know that, you know, light, this makes a person light sensitive. So he closed the curtains and he tried to make the room as quiet as possible. And he's sitting silent with the patient. Suddenly, boom, through the door comes Aunt Maddie. And she says, what's all this, you know, darkness in here? Let's open the light. Let's, uh, let's get everybody feeling better here. And she shoves open the curtains. The patient is lying there in agony, holding his head. But Aunt Maddie, she's not noticing. She's saying, hey, you know, we got to get it bright and cheerful. So Reverend Davis said to me, I tried gently to say to Aunt Maddie, you know, the patient here needs some quiet and some rest because he's got a headache, so we need to close the curtains. And she said in a strange illustration of the golden rule, she said, oh, well, what I would want is I would want all the light in the room. I don't know why he would want it so dark, even though Reverend Davis had already explained to her that the patient needed the opposite of what Aunt Maddie wanted, quiet and darkness. When people come to me and they say, I don't know how to talk to other people about this loving care work. I don't know how to motivate them. I might say to them, well, what are you doing now? And I say, well, I just tell them what they got to do. And I say to them, how's that working? She said, well, you know, they seem kind of resentful sometime and they'll, they'll look sort of, you know, irritated at me. And I said, well, how would you want to be told? She said, yeah, I just want people to tell me what to do. So I end up explaining all people are different. You'd think everybody would know that, but they don't. That's the rocket science thing. You see, rocket science, it's really much more complicated than what we think. So when I ask people, who's the individual you're talking to? 
Well, it's Joe. What's Joe like? Uh, Joe's kind of oversensitive, and he wants to be involved all the time. Uh, he's got all these ideas, and to me, they're just a waste of time. So I say to that individual, you're the leader. Your job is to understand your audience and to speak to that audience, the individual, with those particular sensitivities. If Joe is an idea-oriented person, take a moment longer, say to him, Joe, here's our situation. We have members of the staff who are saying to patients when they're late for a call light, well, sorry, but we're short-staffed. Joe, what are your ideas on how we can better solve that issue? Pretty good chance Joe's going to come up with some good ones. If he doesn't, this is a chance for you to engage Joe at his best because guess what? In this example, Joe is one of those nurses who's out there looking after staff. He's one of those people who's a little late with the call light sometime. And he may be one of those people who's saying, uh, sorry, we're short-staffed. However, as leader in a new healing hospital using radical loving leadership, we're taking a different approach. We're helping Joe and the other nurses learn by not blaming them, by instead inviting them to come up with better solutions, ones that actually don't take any more time. Have you tried out that three-step process? The process is where do we want to end up with what we want the caregiver to say? And the answer is apologize, empathize, actualize. Number one, apologize. Sorry to be late. Number two, empathize. This must have been tough for you, Mr. Jones, to lie there in all that urine. Right on to actualize. I'm here now. I'm here to help solve that problem. I'm sorry. That must have been tough. I'm here now. So that's what we want caregivers to say. But in loving care, we do not hand them a script. We invite them into a process. And in that process of learning, we help guide our caregivers to an answer that's something like what we just talked about. We do want everyone to be apologetic and take responsibility. We do want people to be in touch with how difficult it is to hit that button, not have the nurse come, and also then lie there, perhaps in their own urine. And we do want people to solve that. If I'm lying there wet, don't spend a lot of time apologizing or telling me how much you sympathize. Start cleaning it up right away. So you can do these things in any order. You can even do them at the same time. The caregiver begins to clean up and at the same time is apologizing and saying to the patient, boy, this must have been tough. I want to get this solved. Now, what are we not doing? The leader may not be in touch with how the caregiver is suffering. So the caregiver wants to hear from the leader what? They want to know the leader understands. So the leader may say, I have to tell you, I'm sorry that it happens to me that we're short-staffed right now. I wish that weren't so. Okay. She's apologized in a little bit different way. She said, I wish this weren't so. I'm sorry that is the situation I'm working on. It's not yet solved. I'm sorry about that. Empathize. I know it is tough for all of you out there on the first line. And it's especially tough when we are short-staffed. She wants to tuck in something else here as a leader. Thank you for being out there and working hard. Now, how do we solve this? How do we address this problem? Do we want patients to be told we're short-staffed? Probably not. What can we tell them? Because I know it's tough. So help me with those answers. Meanwhile, my job is to help address this short-staffing problem. I'm working on it. I'm doing the best I can. And let's work out some other solutions. Are there other ways we can solve it? Get the group's ideas. Because this is a partnership. These are not just your employees and you're the boss. 
This is a group of people who are all partners, team members, engaged in meeting this challenge. So in an effort to practice what I'm preaching, I want to try to think myself into your shoes. How are you learning? How do you hear this? What is it that we might share together as partners in reaching a result we both want? We want to be able to provide a better experience for patients, and as leaders, we want to provide a better experience for caregivers because the leader's first job in radical loving care is to take care of the people that are taking care of people. We need to set an example by being caregivers ourselves. Our patients are actually the caregivers, the people who are taking care of others. So how are we learning as students and teachers here? So here's our three-step approach, the new one we're trying. It's take it, take it in, try it, and teach it. Take it, try it, teach it. Take it in means the new idea. Try it means you got to go try it out. And teach it means you teach others, which helps show them and you that you've learned the idea. A reminder here, we remember 10% of what we hear, 20% of what we read, 70% of what we do, and we remember 90% of what we teach. So we want to take in the new idea by hearing, by reading. We want to try it out, and then we want to teach it to others. So in our old example, I've had a real interesting time seeking to offer the idea of how we approach changing behavior on staff. And the overall idea is this. You engage the staff in the learning process. Whatever the problem is, if possible, engage others in the learning. And as you engage them, let them teach you. Ask, what are your ideas? Show a good model of being present and listening rather than looking at your cell phone. Listen carefully. Try not to flood out too many ideas at once. That's why we hope with these podcasts that you'll listen to them, listen to them again, and reflect on what you've learned and what you're actually trying out. This is not a case where we give you a grade to test whether you got it or not. This is a case where you go out and try these ideas on your own and watch what's effective. If we're trying to engage staff in that now pretty well-worn but perhaps not yet learned example of training staff to be apologetic, to apologize, empathize, and actualize, which is to do it, we really kind of have to do those one at a time. And here's what I mean by that. We start with the staff and we say, what's the first thing we want to do? Answer, they will come up with it. It's what we do right now. We apologize. So let's stop for a second and figure out what's important about an apology. Now we begin to get to something that's huge here. The problem with rote, scripted responses is that they lack sincerity. Now, that doesn't mean they're totally ineffective. It's still better to hear the person on the McDonald's squawk box. It's still important to hear them say, welcome to McDonald's, may I help you? Even if they're saying, welcome to McDonald's, may I help you? you know, we still want to hear that rather than, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> so, so sometimes the scripted stuff can be effective, but it's a lot better with more complex communications than a simple welcome, to be able to think through what's underneath that. The way we become sincere is if we actually feel apologetic. We don't want to see that patient lying there waiting. So when we get there, the apology is, so sorry that I had to be late. I really wish I could have been sooner. So sorry. Right? 
We're certainly not offering short staffing. We're not even saying, gee, it's busy out there. Because the patient is interested in one thing. Are you here now? Are you going to help me? And they want to know one more thing. Do you have any idea what I've gone through waiting for you? So we want to address that as best we can by looking at the patient. Here it is. You're in the leader position. You're inviting your caregivers in. And this teaching has to proceed by saying one idea and pausing to see that it's absorbed. So we apologize and we say to the group, are we all together on that? Do we understand the need for sincerity? Do we really feel badly? Are we willing to take responsibility even if the problem is not ours? That's professional thinking. That's professionalism. Professionalism filters what the patient hears. So if a nurse says to me, I tell them we're short-staffed because it's true, it may be true, but that does not mean it's something that we say to patients any more than we want the surgeon to come out of the operating room holding his head and saying, oh my gosh, it was rough in there. That may be true, but we simply do not say that to patients to the point where, or to family, to the point where it sounds silly to even mention it. And yet, I've had caregivers defend their actions by saying, well, I'm just telling them the truth. We're short-staffed without paying attention to the impact that has on the patient. The second thing is to empathize. Now, do we need to say that? I've been challenged around that specific issue. Do we need to say that must have been difficult if that's obviously the case? The answer is yes, if we perceive that would help and if we recognize that the patient wants to hear that spoken sincerely. That must have been so difficult to wait as opposed to, yeah, I know, that was difficult to wait. Boy, you know, those, those tones are so different that the meaning changes. The same words, but the meaning changes. So then you say that idea, you stop for a moment. The last idea, and again, these can be in any order. you got to solve the problem. Ideally, again, you're doing these all at the same time and at the short end. This doesn't take more time. You're saying them while you're doing the work. So if people say to me, well, this takes too much time, I'll be glad to time my response against yours and see if yours takes any longer. You walk in, just say, I'm sorry, and start working. I walk in and say, gee, I'm sorry while I'm working. That must have been difficult. I'm here to help you now. Let's get this cleaned up. Let's get this taken care of. You're building some rapport. You're showing empathy. And you're being competent by actually solving the problem. This learning process always requires the same thought press. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Get around and say, gee, if that were my mom, what would I be thinking? How would I feel? What kind of care do I want for my mother or anybody else I love? That's the care I'm going to give. And it's the same when you're the leader speaking to your caregivers. How would I want to be talked to? How would I want to be spoken to? Do I want to have the boss call me in and accuse me? And if I don't want to be an accuser, if I don't want to hear that, then what is the way I speak to a first-line caregiver? And the answer is with respect, by inviting their thoughts by indicating to them that we're sharing a partnership together. They know you're the boss. They know you can fire them. But at the same time, they're going to respond better, I promise, if you share with them the idea that you trust their views, you want their help, and you want their buy-in. And the way you get it is you engage them in the process. Then you encourage them as they do the work in line with what we know is great patient care. Walk in the other person's shoes. Go out and work side by side if you have the courage and the wisdom to become a really fine leader. Get out there and work with them for a while, not five minutes. Go put the uniform on, work side by side, show some humility, get some sense of what they're really doing. Don't get in their way. Go out, try it out. Take in the idea. 
Try it out. Teach it to others. Explain to people what you're learning. And you will slowly discover, not suddenly, but you will slowly discover that you're becoming a better leader, that the job is more fun, that it's more interesting, that you're through taking yourself seriously, but you're into taking your work seriously. I'll say it again. Take your work seriously, not yourself. Put your attention on the right things, and that's where your energy will flow. That's how we fuel the rocket of culture to move to newer heights. This has been Rocket Science for Leaders, and I'm Erie Chapman, urging and encouraging all of you to live love, not fear. These leadership podcasts are sponsored by the Erie Chapman Foundation. Please visit our website. It's eriechapmanfoundation.net. When you go to the site, you'll find information there and a chance to contribute. Please do, if you can, help support Radical Loving Care.